Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team and Kit. So, a little about our sponsors, Ericsson. As we're all aware, the oil and gas industry is digitizing rapidly. In addition to helping the industry reap the benefits of cost reductions, capture efficiencies for top-line revenue, achieve safety and environmental goals, digitization is enabling better and stronger connectivity. Ericsson provides best-in-class connectivity solutions for the oil and gas industry with its 4G and 5G private networks. Check out their site at www.ericsson.com forward slash oil and gas. I will put this in the notes of each one of the episodes. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Energy Workforce of Tomorrow, sponsored by Ericsson. My name is Jason Duff, the IBM Consulting Oil and Gas Lead for North America. Today, I'm with my co-host, Jerry Lewis. Hey, Jerry, how are you getting on? <laughs> Jason, I'm doing great. I'm in New York right now, second home. Is it cold up there? We're about to get cold here. It's going to get cold your way as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think we were being told, and I've seen that it's going to be colder in Houston than it will be here in New York, although it will be cold here in New York. It'll be colder in Houston, which is kind of ironic since we came here to get into the cold and have a white Christmas. But it is snowy on the ground, which is good. And yeah, we're enjoying it. See, for a Scotsman, this is a bit weird because I've run away from this for the last eight years, as you know, and headed towards the equator. And anything that gets starts with an S and ends with no and sort of as cold, I just, you know, my body starts to ache and I start feeling Scottish again. Therefore, the accent comes back. So yeah. roll on the summer coming back to us. However, I did play golf last week and still got a little bit of suntan up down right, in Houston. And golf so was invented in Scotland, so you've got that going for you. There you go. There mm-hmm. you go. So what, more hey, like sticks and rocks. Absolutely. You know? So, Jerry, we've covered a whole load of great stuff since October. Neurodiversity, diversity, mental health. You and I had a great idea on this conversation, right, of what we want to do with this podcast. Do you want to sort of tee up? Yeah, if we don't say so ourselves, right, humbly, a great idea to have our daughters join us, or two of our daughters. One Is that a great idea, though? Is that a great idea? It is a great idea. Well, it's well, well let's find out. The next 30 minutes, we can reassess that one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, in fact, Jace, I think the idea was we've done lots of different kinds of shows about diversity in the workforce, and now not only do we have two women future leaders on the current leaders on the podcast, but we've got one that's 15, my daughter, uh, Georgiana, and we've got one that is what, am I going to get this right? 24, Lydia? Yes, is that right? 24. 24. So we've got a couple of different generations, even among the younger generations, Jay. So I think we're going to get some good perspective on a few different things. And I'm only 35, so I don't know how this worked out, but let's just go with that one. I keep telling everyone I'm 35. Sadly, sadly for you, the oldest looking 35-year-old I've ever seen. <laughs> but, so who's but doing I the mean, intro first, Jerry? <laughs> What's that, brother? Which daughter's going first? Well, I think, well, I guess we were going to do intros, right? So yeah. eeny, meeny, I mean, since we got young ones, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger, <laughs> but Gigi, how about you go first? Okay. I like that one. Hello. I'm Georgiana. My nickname is Gigi. I don't think I've ever introduced myself without a face before. So that's sort of intimidating. What else do you say in an intro? What do you do? A school. Oh, mostly. you're a student. Okay. I'm, I'm a student in high school. 
as would be expected for a 15-year-old. You've done some volunteer work. Yes, I do a lot of, well, not, I do less volunteer work than I wish I did, but probably more than average. So, and you yeah. sing and dance, I think. Didn't you don't you sing and dance? I've I've had some of this stuff already. Yeah. Your dad's yeah. very proud of you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um it's true. but yeah, I guess I do that too. Yeah, so. singing and dancing and taking care of animals, horseback riding, things of that nature. Triple threat. Triple threat. Wow. Triple threat. <laughs> there you go. Hold on, triple threat? What is that? Triple threat. Triple threat? Yeah, it's, it's like a that's a thing. Yeah, like in the acting business, if you can act, sing and dance, then you're a triple threat. Oh, a triple threat. A trio. Yes. Okay, sorry, you stumped me already with your <laughs> next-gen sort of language already. That, What's going on that's there? That's the term for my mom. So. That's uh, my first yeah. learning this of this one, triple threat. There you go. Yeah, well, I mean, Jace, we could use that to describe some upcoming talent in our business, right? Triple threat. Absolutely. He's a triple threat. She's a triple threat. They're a triple threat. Yeah. All right. Well, Lydia, how about you? There you go, Lydia. Off you go. Hi, so I'm Lydia. I'm 24 years old and I've been in Houston for about six months now. I've been studying esthetology in college and before that I was doing a lot of work within the community doing care work. Yeah, and I love traveling. That's one of the reasons why I decided to come back over here. Yeah, where'd you get that accent? It's kind of funny. Mm, I'm kind of all over the place really. I was born in Cardiff, didn't catch on to the Cardiff accent so quick as we moved to Ealing and then we lived in a county outside of Ealing called Buckinghamshire for a bit went over to Singapore and did a stint over there and then made my way back home that's what it was Singapore Texan words y'all there you go seriously (laughs) she's had enough time here y'all and the water as well if you water water as a English accent through the drive-thru you have to do the water Otherwise, you are not getting water. You know, (laughs) you know, sometimes on our road trips, we'll get into southern accent modality. Mm -hmm. So, JJ, how's it going to be today, huh? You started out sort of rough (laughs) with that southern accent. I know. It was sort of jumpy. Wasn't among my best. I do do declare. I hear. All right, all right, all right. So, Lydia, I'll come back to my normal non-southern accent now. What does your dad do, by the way? Any idea? Well. Uh Uh-oh. Definitely. I know the job title is the vice president of IBM for North America, a big people's person. I know dad's always on the phone to people discussing deals, big numbers. So, I mean, yeah, I just know he's a good business person. I've seen him in person with obviously his teammates and stuff. He's a great communicator with other colleagues and businesses. You know, I just clean the restrooms, don't you? And polish shoes, right? Well, I polish well, Jerry's shoes. Good shout, then. <laughs> let me let me play that back. So I heard great communicator. I heard big numbers. I heard people, person. Okay, so Jason, can we use that to summarize on LinkedIn what your profile is? <laughs> I reckon so. That that probably. I'm yeah, happy with that one. Thank you. Pretty pretty That's accurate. Worth about 200, 200 bucks there for Christmas. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. And Gigi, what about yourself? Do you know what your dad's job title is? Well, okay. So there have been a few different things. I know he's sort of like moved up in the rankings within IBM. But when I was a kid, my mom told me to call him a partner. And I didn't know what that meant. And I still don't today. And I don't know what he was a partner of. (laughs) But I would go around calling him, yeah, my dad's a partner. (laughs) That's like me with the vice president wording. It just kind of sounds funky. But exactly what he is vice president for. I know it's within oil and gas. Exactly. But what his job so, entails day to day is 
yeah, you could be washing floors or cleaning toilets. Yeah, um, yeah, my dad could be like partnering up with people, or he could be like partnering. I'm not quite sure, but probably since around the age of like 11, I've been calling him a global consultant, and I don't know what that means either, but it sounds fancier. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. So those are my two titles for him. Wow. Wow. And do you have any idea what that would mean that I would do on a day-to-day basis? Consult. Have you not heard any of the 4,000 conference calls I've been on since I'm <laughs> I working was, from home? Okay. Going back to like even further into childhood, wow. when, I wow. used oh, to, <laughs> when I used to play upstairs, I had like this sort of setup of like a bunch of cars and they didn't have faces on them or anything. They were just like little toy cars and I would play around with them and I'd be listening to my dad's conversations and I'd hear him use big words and then I'd use the words in my conversations with my cars. I'd be like, oh yes. What's a big word? Vacillation. Do you want a vacillation with me today? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I like that one. (laughs) Vacillate means to will it like to go back and forth between two alternatives all the time. Okay. Yeah. But it would be to vacillate, not to vacillation. Exactly. But I was like five. Wow. That's very much a a word that you would use though, Jerry. I I love that one. Well done, Gigi. I think that's a perfect word that your dad would use all the time. Yeah. So that's what my dad does. He uses big words and he (laughs) consults globally. So yeah, we're global well. consultants at Vassalit, 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 yeah, that one. Vacillation. Vacillation. <laughs> and we're good communicators, et cetera. So that's, yeah, I would, I would go with that one. It's yeah, always okay. difficult, I think, Jerry, for dads to tell their daughters what they do in all honesty, right? Don't you think? I mean, do any dads really sit down with their daughters and or sons or any other children or people that they have in their household and say, well, let me tell you what I do. You know, I don't think that really happens. Maybe we should do it. I don't know. But I guess what's surprising is, I don't know how you feel, Jason, but I probably by now, especially having been working from home for so long, would have expected that Juju would have some better idea or more specific idea. So I mean, she didn't get it wrong. Yes, I'm a partner at IBM. Yes, I do consulting. Yes, I've done it globally. Those are all true. But I I thought there might be something more specific, like he's digital transformation guy. Or something, but nope, not so much. No. I think the nice thing for me is that dad tends to speak to me about what he's passionate about. So I hear a lot about the podcast. I hear a lot about the charities as in stuff that he does for companies and what he puts out there. So that I'm more informed about. But the day-to-day job with oil and gas... I think that's actually quite important, actually. That's a great... Thank you again. Bloody... How much has this cost me? Jerry, I think you're not passionate about work, just... No, definitely not passionate <laughs> about work. You, you know what I'm like. But I do, I think, actually, I appreciate that. Thank you, Lydia, because I think that is important for our daughters, Jerry, right, is to understand what's really what we're passionate about. And you and I and Brian, we were doing the co-hosts and Neil, Komal, Jerry, uh, sorry, Neil, et cetera, we all t- and Jim, we all talk about what we're passionate about rather than our jobs, right? It's, and, again, that's where you guys will go, Gigi and Lydia eventually as well. What do you want to talk about? You don't want to talk about your day-to-day work. You want to talk about what you're passionate about, right, Jerry? Yeah, when I'd ask Gigi. I mean, if you had to sort of say, what's your dad passionate about? Aside from the hobbies you know I'm passionate about, like right. fishing and golf, what do I talk to you about that I get passionate about? I mean, well, I come home from school and I say hi to you, and usually you're always sort of stressed, which I think is important because it shows that you care about what you do. But over the years, I've 
sort of heard the same thing, and it's been that you're passionate about helping people and giving them opportunities that they deserve and the recognition they deserve. And I see a lot of that in sort of whatever you do, like whatever you're talking about, even if I don't quite understand it, you're always talking about how there's like someone you're trying to help or there's someone that you're trying to like have a better relationship with and sort of create more opportunities for yourself and the people around you. Wow. So. Gigi, wow. you've got your dad down to a T, to be honest. That's exactly what I would tell people if you ask me now with the question of what your pa- your father is, you know, what's his pride, et cetera, is exactly the people and looking after the people. That's his number one. Yeah. So Welsh. Yeah, and I, the same, same about you, Jace. But now we're making this podcast seem like it's all about making us look good. So we probably ought to shift gears or people are going <laughs> to lose faith in the objectivity. Let me go to one quickly. So, ladies, electric cars. Would you ever drive in, and what do you think the future is about electric cars? Who does that go to? Who wants to answer first? Well, Gigi, I guess in the US, what's the age that you can legally drive? 16, right? So I'm doing my driver's ed right now for my permit. Watch watch out, everybody. (laughs) know a lot, by the way. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. You can get a permit and start driving, like, under special application at, like, 15, but most people start driving at 16 or above because... We're also all doing school, so everybody's busy. It's funny for me because I've always been used to either diesel or petrol cars. Obviously, you guys just call it gas here in the US. But seeing all of these electric cars come out and people having information on it and places like California saying that that's the only type of car that they're going to be selling in a couple years' time or whenever they dated it to, I don't know exactly. It's funny to look at it in a different way to think that in the... Well, even now, you don't have to fill up your car with anything. You can plug it in. It's kind of like a phone that you can just charge. The only thing that concerns me is I think for myself to travel, I know you have to wait. And I don't know if it's just myself or other people. I'm quite quick on stuff. So I quite like to know that I can do something. It's done and I can move forward. Whereas if I knew I had to stop and do a two-hour break, to me, that would be something that I wouldn't feel quite comfortable with just right now. So electric cars for me is something that I'd have to really consider and see a lot of improvement on Mm. my performance in a car, I guess. (laughs) I haven't really given it like given much thought to it. But so when I looked into electric cars, I actually had a speak with someone that was a taxi driver in Austin. He had an electric car. I was speaking to him and he said that there was only one charging point from Austin to Houston. So for me, if say three people were waiting and I was in a rush to get somewhere, that's not ideal for me. So electric cars, I feel like the world needs to advance as a whole to make sure that there is room for all of these electric cars and people to have easy access to it and maybe even faster charging. And I know that sounds crazy, but until the technology was there, I'd stick to petrol or diesel myself or gas. There we are, (laughs) gas. We're in Houston, we call it gas. (laughs) Well, Lydia, just to ask on that, and Gigi, I'd love your reaction to this too. What about the environmental implications of that longer term? So I agree with the fact that electric cars obviously would help because of the emissions that come from gas. But there is a big question to know that after the electric cars, the electric battery dies, where does that then go? So there's a lot of information that we don't know about and that electric cars haven't been there long enough that we see the changes, if any, to our environment and I think there are bigger things that need to be targeted first like plane emissions you know these 
famous people that are in the media right now on private planes going off to different places for like one night. You know, it's a whole world that we need to sit down and speak about. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird one for me. Mm. Yeah, me too. The environmental factor of electric cars is sort of, it's scary to me because it seems sort of, how do you say, like, like two-sided? Two-sided. Two-sided. It just, one of the main selling points is that they're environmentally friendly, but they're obviously are going to be like, there's obviously going to be like backlash once the car, like you said, like the battery dies or we need replacements for mm. like the expensive metals in them. And well, even the, the, the producing the batteries requires yeah, the mining, like rare materials. Yeah, the and, mining for the rare materials. I mean, how quickly is it going to take for us to run out of that? And how soon is that going to become a problem? One of the things I find quite funny, sorry, is that Everyone complains about oil and gas saying that it's no good for our environment. But if you actually look at what charges the electric cars, the parts that are made to charge the electric cars are actually made with machines that use oil and gas. So it just seems like there's this big circle going around and we've come so far as a nation in advance that I feel that it needs to be a lot more people that agree to do these changes for us to even see a change. Well, you know, Jace, what strikes me about what I'm hearing right now is the information that our children have, and Lydia, I'm not saying you're a child, but you are Jason's child, that our children have is obviously limited in its scope. And marketing isn't going to just be enough, right? There's going to have to be some real data behind it and some real education around, look, we acknowledge that there's an environmental footprint to any car that's produced whether it's going to run electric or whether it's going to run on petrol or diesel. And we acknowledge that. And here's what that cost is so that people can make real decisions on the trade-off. And it sounds like both our 15-year-old and our 24-year-old aren't necessarily convinced that electric cars are a panacea. I agree. But go to the next stage then. What do you guys think then about sustainability? What is sustainability? To go to elect from electric cars to sustainability. Gigi, what does sustainability mean to you? Is that important? Yeah, sustainability is super important for the world. I mean, to me, a sustainable environment or sustainable practices is creating a safe world, leaving a safe world for the next coming generations, like whatever number that may be, like the next generation or next two generations or next five generations, leaving them with enough resources to survive and sort of like progress and come up with new inventions without sort of like the time crunch of the world ending or running out of materials? No, definitely. And the fact you said materials, obviously we have clothes that we can get very easily accessible, whether that be online on Amazon or whether it be in person in a shop. But 80% of the clothes are used or made, sorry, with oil and gas in the machines themselves. Right? Yeah, byproducts. So I think sustainability I think there needs to be a lot more thought process into the machines that make clothes or make cars or you know even supply ourselves with food chopping up stuff or harvesting products but sustainability to me really means that eventually when I have kids or we have generations that are after us that the world is kept at kind of a rate that isn't destroyed more than what it is so that you know, there can be many more generations from us that can have beautiful trees, natures, rainforest plants. So a little straw poll here. So Lydia and Gigi, do you both feel 
that our current state of the world is at risk given the way that we exist today? Are we putting our world at risk? If we change nothing, are we putting future generations at risk? How do you both feel about that? Myself, the media portrays things in very different ways. So you can either look at the media and believe everything that's been told, or you can look at it in different light and do your own research. Obviously, there's been this massive problem saying that the ice caps have been melting. But then recently, you know, there's been evidence to say that there's been more ice than there ever has been. So it's kind of hard to put yourself in a view that you think, are we getting worse or are we getting better? And then you're being told there's a problem and then there's not a problem because we now have electric cars. So really, I think there needs to be a lot more education in schools especially you know going through high school or what do you guys call high school yeah just yeah university (laughs) colleges just kind of to educate people a lot more about what's around us instead of quite quick to tarnish oil and gas because I think a lot of people are very quick to say hey oil and gas is really bad for you but then really the pens you're using the clothes you're wearing that's all oil and gas so we all need to come up with an alternative or just be very conscious about what we do and what we use and who we buy from as well I agree that education is necessary for our world to improve. I think there's definitely environmental factors in our day-to-day lives that we can improve on. Like the household family makes so much waste that goes into the environment and it's like polluting our world. But one thing that I'm scared of with like the internet and social media is that people only receive the information that they want to receive. Mm. And the internet is sort of designed to give you like one perspective and give you articles that you want to hear that sort of like feed into what you believe. And I think if our world is going to improve, if we're going to become more environmentally stable and more sustainable for the upcoming generations, then we need to sort of get our facts straight because Mm. everybody is sort of believing what they're being fed. Mm. And it's kind of like a gray area, right? Because we're getting told two different things and it's like, can we not just have a breakdown of the actual facts and figures and numbers that we can see firsthand and then make a judgment? Yeah, social media and news has become so sort of opinionated that it's hard to just see the facts well what's interesting about that observation georgiana is that it's actually not opinion it's algorithmic right right there are programs that are literally literally there are programs that are like we're being told what we need to see based on what you like based on what they think you like based on what and then by they i mean the algorithms think you like you're going to get fed more or less of what they deem is going to get you to read more. So, right, and that's what I mean, is that people are being fed the information that they want to see, and it's sort of letting everyone live in their own little yeah. bubble of what they want to believe. Yeah, interestingly, too, I love the point that you say, Lydia, about like what are the facts. And you know, there's a number of very astute philosophers and podcasters right now who are saying, guys, look, you know, doctors of different disciplines exist because they've done years and years and years of study. So to think that, you know, some lay person who has never studied a topic can pontificate on LinkedIn, not LinkedIn necessarily, but LinkedIn or any social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, make a point and proclaim that to be the word, so to speak, 
we've empowered a whole nation of sort of, I'm going to do my own research and make my own conclusion and disregard the expertise that used to be held in very high regard. And it's really done damage to our understanding of what reality is. Huh? Mm -hmm. Just on the back of that one, net zero, what do you guys, does that mean anything to you at all? Gigi, what do you, net zero? Have you heard that before? What do you think? Have you heard net zero before, Gigi? Gigi, don't be scared to say no, because myself, I haven't. But Jerry, I expected that, by the way. Sorry, Gigi, please. Did you? Did you expect to hear? I expected to say zero. I expected both of them to say zero because I didn't think. No, myself. That's not a term that I have come across myself. And Gigi, you haven't heard this at all either, right? No. Wow, Jace, that's a failing. Huge. I just, I was thinking when you said about, I was just wondering if that was a huge failure for communications. Yeah, so that's what, huge. What, what it, is net zero? So just so you know, we can tell you what it is, but it is the thing that's being talked about in the corporate world right now. Every company, Amazon, United Airlines, the United States, China, yeah. every company, every country, every organization is having a net zero claim. And net zero means that the output of carbon okay. is, is going to be net zero in okay. the sense of like, we're not going to put anything in right. more than what we you know, take. Like the net of our carbon impact is going to be zero. We're going to plant as many trees mm -hmm. to take carbon out of the atmosphere as we pollute by having our people commute or by the energy that our machines use or okay. that the so it's kind of like making it equal each ways then so it kind yeah, of balances right. out everything we're not yeah. exactly yeah. killing think, the world but at the same time we're replacing what we're using right yeah that's right yeah okay. i think i've definitely heard those claims i just didn't know the name that went along with it but jace to that point i think for our listeners right for our audience the energy workforce of tomorrow and the executives and the clients and the folks in the industry we're not educating our kids. We're not educating the next generations and the up and coming generations about what net zero even means. So when you say, hey, we're going to be net zero by 2050, Amazon, nobody knows what that means. At yeah, least and by the way, it's, going, it's not going to be you and I, Jerry, that are at 2050. It will be these two young, bright ladies and beside us. Wait, doing it. 30 years from now, I'll be 50, 81. I hope I'm still around, Jace. What are you saying? Uh, well, not working is what I mean. Well, oh, you will okay. be working in 2050. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's all of them that at 81. <laughs> Hey, here's another one. Just Oh, sorry. Go on, Gigi. Go on. Sorry. This is something I was sort of thinking before I came on here, but 2050 has a lot of promises that are sort of like coming with the year and with that decade. And it's really, it's sort of funny to me because I am definitely expecting most of these like big companies to just sort of forget about their claims because I've never seen uh like big companies stay true to their promise and stay true to their claims without making some sort of adjustment because like <laughs> yeah. 2050 is 18 years away how many what Th sorry 2028 there you go 28 28 years away is she gonna calculate it for christmas <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's okay you're under pressure 28 years away and i mean that's like it's, it's like double, it, it's my time. age again like you know i'll be gone 50 by that point so old so old my gosh <laughs> but yeah i think like you said a lot of businesses they make these promises and they say they're going to do stuff and going back to the electric car situation like california said i think it was by 2025 2035 sorry my fault that's all right and they kind of said that they're not going to be selling electric cars like how are we sure that they're going to keep that promise and what is it that's going to be done to make sure that's put into place you know there's a lot of things that are said that don't happen yeah. so for it's me so it's kind easy. of 
yeah, we need that trust put into generations yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I think it's we need so, to be shown that. It's so classic. I mean, you're calling out, Jason, of course you recognize this. Historically, politically, anytime you've got a leader that has, you know, like a fixed amount of time that they're in office, anytime whenever the regime that's in charge now it's got a finite time. They can make whatever promise they want that's somewhere out in the future because they don't have to deliver it. Right, right. Because it's on it's you not, to do yeah. it. <laughs> and don't Yay, we're going to be 2050. Go, go, Gigi. Go, Lydia. <laughs> yeah, make exactly. it happen. And there's been so do much it. pressure yeah. put onto our generation for like, you guys, your generation is going to fix everything. Otherwise, we're all screwed. It's like, well, we're not well, screwed. You're screwed. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, like the world is screwed. So yeah. I don't think there's ever really been this sort of pressure because like growing up, I've always heard, you know, by 2050, if we don't like cut down on our carbon emission or if we haven't like created a more sustainable world, then we're going to do ever like so long lasting damage that's irreversible that like our world is going to be changed forever like the and biggest thing for me that i can remember was solar panels and i don't know why maybe it's where we were living we were in a county in buckinghamshire and we had fields there's no sun in britain that's why <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they going the minimal sun we have yes that is true but we <laughs> had a lot of solar panels and we had a lot of wind turbines put in and that was something that i maybe didn't see when i was young and then coming into my teens maybe I don't know 10 years old upwards mm -hmm. there was a lot more that were put in so that was introduced as saying like you know sunlight can provide energy there were neighbors that were having you know the solar panels put on their roof the wind turbines were then put into sea so there's been I've seen in my 24 years the solar panels the wind, wind turbines farms. yes yep. the wind farms even the electric cars so it's kind of like what are they going to come up with after electric cars like that's what i'm interested with that's yeah, what i'm interested for but just thinking about that then one more then next going to the next area digital at work at home so you guys almost cradle you came out with the iphone now or whatever product that you're using jerry and i had to learn and understand how to use a telephone and we used to dial etc but what do you ladies think is going to change now that you can bring? You're very quickly going to be the workforce of tomorrow, whatever industry you're going to go into. But what do you think that you're going to be able to use or do? To Just think about what you've said of the technology that you've now got. What do you think is going to happen? Gigi, do you want to have a... Yeah. One thing that I'm scared for, I think working from home is, it's something that's been sort of, it's been brought more into the, the light with the pandemic because more people were forced to work from like home offices and I uh, got stuff done electronically. So I think we're definitely moving towards a more like home-based work space, which is scary for me for two reasons. I think it's great because it allows like people to have more time with like their family. And if they have a family, it, it allows them to like spend more time sort of relaxing. But I think it's going to be really hard for our generation to learn how to separate sort of like work and home life because once you start mixing the two you sort of get into an area where like you never stop working and that can be like really sort of dangerous for <laughs> i think the people who are working mostly from home because you sort of forget do you hear that jason i work boundaries. really really hard do you hear that? i think that was feedback for you actually jerry i, was, I think this has become a jerry session <laughs> 
yeah, this is actually slowly turning into. I think you're right, though, Gigi. Your point of there's more technology, so you can you can work at home. You don't need to go in the office. You can do everything on your iPhone or your iPad, right? That's exactly your point, right? Yeah. So there's sort of risk with that because you sort of forget how to separate like home life and work life because you don't have two separate areas. And then another thing that is scary for me is we were talking about how people are sort of like fed the information that they want to hear from the internet. And when you aren't interacting with people, maybe like face-to-face on a day-to-day basis, and you aren't sort of getting that social time that people are used to, like working in physical buildings, then all the information that you have and that you're given is through the internet and through your news that you watch. And it's all sort of related to your perspective. And so I guess that like those two things are sort of the scary things for me coming up with working from home because we don't like quite know how to approach it, I think. Mm. Yeah, I find that quite interesting because myself, I'm big on the whole mental health thing. I think it's really good that we see people we get out. So I think the remote work For me, it's lovely because say if you have a family or if you have a sick family member that you're looking after, you have that around you. You're not leaving that that is relying on you, but you need to have that workplace where you have actual connections and, you know, someone to say, hey, how are you? Not even if it's work related, but just someone that's in front of you face to face. I think that's pretty important. And I think that because everything is shopping online and Amazon gets delivered, you know, we could be a very lazy generation if we wanted to, you know, so we could sit at home and be working. We could sit at home and have Amazon. We could sit at home and have food being delivered to us. So I think we do need to promote this whole, yes, work remotely, but there needs to be things like meetings or businesses where all different people get together and it's an event that kind of puts you in the deep end. So even if you are an introvert, you have something that you can go to and know that there are people in your situation as well because I think this day and age, definitely you need support of others around you. So hybrid. Yeah, hybrid. For For myself anyway, I think is a nice option for people, definitely. I agree. I think that that would be a much healthier sort of like situation. But I'm interested, Lydia, you said you were going into esthetology. How does working like digitally and away from home, how do you think that's going to affect you? In your line of work. So with esthetology, you can either work from home so you could have a little treatment room if I wanted to, or I could go down the route of advertising and marketing within esthetology. I could go down the route of training for esthetology. So I would be going to big businesses and saying to them, hey, these are the products you need. So it really, esthetology is such a big market right now. And skincare is actually one of the like most up and coming things coming into 2023. It used to be makeup. Everyone's now going for the more holistic, natural approach to stuff. So they're taking care of their skin instead of putting stuff on it. Yeah, Jerry, I got you covered. (laughs) So I think it's one of those things where you can go down the route of being a salesperson for a brand. So you'd be going to big cooperative meetings and learning new technology, new products, new ingredients. Like for instance, 
I wouldn't have to be sat in a spa. Like there are so many different routes now within all different work, even, you know, different things, veterinary care work that's in community within hospitals. There's all different routes for, I think, all different jobs. Let me ask you both of you then, what about robots and automation? Does that scare you guys? I mean, that's what's going to happen as we go. Is that scary? Is it any thoughts, Gigi? Okay. This one's hard because I, this is like, a thought that's been in the back of my mind for my entire life, sort of like, oh no, the robots are going to take over and I'm never going to see anybody ever again when I go outside because the <laughs> robots are going to do everything. But at the same time, I'm like, no, that's not how it's going to work. But I've I, sort I, of like, sorry, I go think ahead. it's pretty crazy. Have you seen that Amazon stores that you can now go in and you don't have yes. to scan? So yeah, I recently to went to one, maybe the first time was last year. And I was very confused and I kind of got there and they said, no, you just scan a pass, go through. It will watch you through the cameras and pick up the weight of the item you are picking up to then register it for you to not even scan it. So even now, that's already started. Like as much as people are saying, oh, you will never have devices, but I don't know. I think we've come pretty far. I'm still waiting for the hoverboards to come out because I really would love one, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's pretty fantastic about what we're about to see, for sure. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, there was an Amazon Go in our local mall, probably like all through last year, and it actually closed down. I think people were too scared to use it because like, <laughs> I never saw anybody in it. And I went in there a couple times myself that I don't have an Amazon account or anything. So it was sort of like scary and confusing. So mm. I think that's something that if we're going to become more automated, and have like more automated stores, then we need to sort of make the directions more clear. And I know that's something that will happen, but if it's going to happen fast, then yeah. I wanted to change gears just a little bit. I wanted to hear more about your robot, like scared, but then not scared thing, but we'll talk about that later, Gigi. What do each of you think, literally think about the oil and gas industry, good or bad, evil, not evil, helpful, not helpful, risky, not risky. Like Lydia, you've said several things that seemed favorable towards oil and gas and the reality of the world that we live in. But how do you really feel about oil and gas? And Gigi, same question to you. I'd say my thoughts about oil and gas, obviously, a lot of things depend on it. So as much as like, I love nature, I love animals, and I would love to preserve our world so that we can have this world for many, many generations, that we still have oil and gas and everything's running smoothly. Our ozone layer isn't damaged. We're not, you know, putting these toxic fumes into the environment and atmosphere as we say we are. But oil and gas to me, I think is what is kind of moving the world right now. And we need to come up with something as well as oil and gas at the same time that can work together, that is maybe an emission that isn't going to be so effective on the world that's something that can be made. But oil and gas still run alongside of that, you know, because that's something that we need. Like without that, we won't have, for instance, in the army, if there was anything to break out, we have weapons and we have, you know, trucks that need to be made. And without that, what would happen? And as sad as it is to think that, but we need these things in place for not just protection, but clothes, cars. Do you understand, though, that so there's a big thing just now that the oil and gas companies cannot move immediately. They have to transition. Is that understood by you as a 24-year-old and your peers? That's not something that I've actually 
understood no so I don't know the oil and gas or did not know until just now that you guys are looking for something as well as oil and gas to move forwards with well that's what the oil and gas companies are doing but what they're saying I think some of the people going back to your point I think we said the same thing is people want I want clean energy now I don't want to do it and then we all turn around and say well hold on how do you get to work in the morning are you going to drive a car what did your car drive on you need gas. And that's what I feel like we need to understand is we need to be offered the equivalent. So we need to be told like, Gigi, say if someone said to you like, hey, you have the option of putting gas in your car or you can go and charge it electronically. It needs to be an option that people opt for because then I feel like the nation itself will speak to say, hey, this is my view on it and this is how I'm going to go around helping. Right. Mm. And I think well, I guess, should I answer the question first? or Say what's in your mind. Okay. I was just going to say, I think in order for like sort of going back to like electric cars and that sort of thing, I think in order for our world to transition, we need that sort of area of transportation and like daily life and like electric cars and sustainability to become more accessible. And yeah, I know definitely. that like electric cars are available for purchase and like there are dealerships and all of this thing but the majority of let's just say like the u.s cannot afford a like twenty thousand dollar car just Try to, 40 yeah like a forty thousand dollar car just to like and that's make very environment true. more stable it would like destroy their family so and to put things out that are so expensive and things that may we find as our generation you know, overpriced and not seeing an increase on any salaries or a decrease in any food or water or things that we need. Like, for instance, in the UK right now, we have a lot of problems with our electric and gas. It's gone skyrocket. So I think without putting the things into place that enable us to be able to help the environment, like buy an electric car, for example, that's not feasible. Could you guys name any oil and gas brands? What brands come to head? <laughs> to yeah, have a go. Let's, what do you, let's what's your immediate you. thought? No, Let's test Gigi on that one first. Gigi. Oh, there you go, Gigi. Go Name some oil and gas companies and or brands. Com companies and brands. All right. Yeah. So first, I just want to say, as a kid growing up, oil and gas for me was always like a very physical thing. Like you go to the gas station and mm. you interact with the clerk in the gas station store and that's oil and gas. Like that's what the business is. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. For my generation, it seems very like... I feel like we're out of touch with far, what, far away. Yeah, with what the industry really is. But mm. as far as like brands and going back to the gas stations, I can tell you Exxon. Okay. And say Shell. Shell. That Shores one. will be happy, Jason. That yeah. one with the dinosaur. <laughs> the dinosaur one? Okay, that's Sinclair. <laughs> Sinclair. I love that dinosaur one, by the way. Well done, you. That's You get hey, five we, points we, in my game, Gigi, for mentioning that one. <laughs> Sinclair's happy they had to pick the dinosaur. <laughs> I mean, there's BP. Okay, and, yeah. And I'm trying to think of like, what names do I see on the corners? All right, how about you, Lydia? I know I always hear Slumberger being mentioned whilst you're up in the office. Let's mention SLB now. They've got a new name, but yeah, okay. That shows you how much time I'm spending with these guys, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. In the UK, we have a lot of BP. Obviously, we have Shell. That's a big one over here. Some of our friends work there as well. Yeah, and we have my dad's friends that work for Shell as well. So that's something that I'd say is one of the first things that's popped into mind when I do do when I speak about oil and gas is Shell. 
Sounds like Chevron David Reed's Dutch. company. Yeah, we have NOV as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, I've heard NOV. NOV too. Yeah, yeah, you've heard NOV because I work with them. But, yeah, just, but Jason, it would be another one of those words. It sounds. That I'd, it like, sounds play like with, with my cards. It sounds like Chevron's got the big generation gap here because neither one mentioned Chevron. So, do you, do you know Chevron? Okay. Chevron's a floor pattern, Dad. Oh, Chevron's a floor pattern. <laughs> that's, that's what it is in our generation. Or a fabric. Yeah, or a fun little doodle to draw. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. And no, Chevron, I've heard, I've heard Dad mention Chevron, but for myself, it's not one that I immediately then think of. Like, it's let, always been Shell or BP. So let me just show you guys. At, there you go. You would, oh, you the, gas the gas station. Yes. Station. Yes. You would have seen that one, Gigi. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about, I think, Jace, we've spent a lot of time here, but one that's super important, I think, to ask our guests here, females getting paid less for sport and industry. How do you feel about that? And what can Absolutely. we do to change it? Now, given that you guys are now going to be the next female leaders, as we talked about as we go forward, as your dad and I sort of go the other way. Yeah. How do you feel about getting paid less? And what are you guys going to do? And what do we need to do about it? Myself, we're all human. I'm one of those people that I really do believe strongly that it should be equal over everything, age, sex, gender, no matter what you identify as, we are all human. We all have organs. We all, you know, technically speaking, yes, men do carry higher testosterone. So you do tend to get more men in the industries that carry more power. So for instance, construction, plumbing, but then to say there's been a massive like influx of females that have been taking these jobs as well, which I think is brilliant. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you know, we're all able to do everything as long as you put your mind to it. So if it's something that you're interested in, go for it, whether you're male or female, but the fact that females have been paid less and there's maybe a less number of CEOs that are females I think we will see that change because it's you know there's even a song about it it's a man's world and I think yes it very much is and I think if men do educate themselves and these people that get to make these decisions on who moves up in work etc and maybe males don't see females as strong people but you know we birth children we we're able to do what a man's able to do. It's just one of those stereotypical things that, yeah, yeah and more. Well said. Yeah. Personally, I think that the idea of women and or men being like greater than each other and being able to do like more than one another. I mean, yes, like physically or maybe, yeah, like our physical traits, like yes, biological women can yeah, like our hormones, for sure. give birth. And like our hormones, yeah, you're right. Our hormones are different. But I think the idea that either sex or any gender that's being like put on a pedestal is sort of going to give us that same sort of like discriminatory effect because everybody's sort of fighting for who can do the like which gender, which sex Mm. can like do the best in the work industry when really we should all be looking at it as like we are all equal and you deserve to be paid for like the work that you do and yeah i would say spot on absolutely but yeah go on jerry i was just gonna say Gigi. so at 15 you're saying that not only do you recognize that women and men and all genders and identities should be paid equally for the same work but you're saying you want to make sure we avoid over rotating to say that now this one is better than that one that previously was higher so that we're fair to everybody. I mean, I think that's so mature. I think one of the things that's, I mean, this is sort of like getting 
a little more political, but one of the things that's very dangerous with sort of like wokeism and like feminism is that I personally, I believe like feminism is very important, but these people that are saying that like we could live in a world without like men, without the male gender, it sort of is like creating this idea that like men are useless and that like everybody is sort of like the genders and sexes need to like battle for who's worthy of yeah. like living and in the I world. And I think that's pretty sad because, you know, we should all look at each other as in we are the same. We just like I said, we have different hormones, we grow different body parts, but that doesn't mean to say that one cannot do one more superior than the other. Exactly. You know? And yeah, those like toxic ideas, they're putting this, like they're giving like feminism and fighting for equality, this sort of negative connotation to like, if you're going to like say that you're a feminist, then that means that you don't just want equality for women, you also want them to like rise above like men and other gender. I love this conversation, but is there anything that we can do now? As you guys, even before you enter the workspace, what should we be doing now that's simple about this? Remember, we're talking about female leaders being paid the same, et cetera. What's your, because that's a big thing in the, you know, having the right percentage of people, the right diverse, because then you have a team view. Gigi, you look at your eyes versus Jason's eyes, and all of a sudden everyone gets a different opinion. You get a better opinion. Is there anything we can do now that could make it easier for you guys come forward? Any thoughts? I think straight away from birth, you know, like girls will go to pick up immediately dollies or prams. Like it's been shown that we have that instinct in us as females that we will go pick up a dolly over a, you know, a hammer or a building block and men will go for the opposite. So that's in us naturally. But I think if we're taught from a very young age that it is possible for females to go and do construction or not just construction, but different kinds of jobs and for feet. Welding. Yeah. yeah. And welding, plumbing, anything that's, you know, what I would say is a man's work, which is bad that I even need to say that, you know, because I think it should just be the same. Mm. Yeah. I think sort of stemming from like childhood, maybe if like, if our sexes are like, differentiated and like what toys we pick up there just needs to be an equal sort of like option given to kids like yes maybe you do want the doll but just so you know you can also have the truck yeah you can for also sure like you're given the option like for me yeah I know mum and dad always tell me they try put me in dresses all the time and I was just constantly in dungarees and there's no problem with that you know like <laughs> right. females can wear dungarees it was also be putting a rugby ball in her hand as well, actually. Yeah. I think at a very early age, but, that Jerry. But what I wanted to say is that, Gigi, there's a lot of snow out in the driveway if you want to go shovel it. I was actually saying if, if I get paid, I am completely If you get willing, paid? Yes, I'm completely willing to go shovel the wow. snow. Wow, so, if you um, get paid. Jason, but, we're going to have to unpack that one later. <laughs> yeah. But I think something that's essential for making the workspace more equal for race and gender and sex is that we have to sort of look at the demographics and not just see that or not just say that like hey the majority of our workforce is like our Caucasian males well the majority of like the demographic in that area might be Caucasian males but you just have to look at sort of the demographics in certain areas 
and sort of, I think I think it would be kind start. of interesting if businesses were giving a percentage rate that they should be given for leaders right. that would be female mm. and leaders that would be male. Wow. And yeah. that comes to me because I know a lot of authority, you know, I say authority comes from a man. Maybe men can feel more intimidating to us, right? And for some people, they can't understand that a female can actually be a really good leader and she can be intimidating to men. So I think it just needs to be a change in giving people the opportunity to put themselves in situations where females can have a say, like they can have the last word. So I think a percentage in the workplace would be really, would be actually pretty interesting to see. Yeah, I think we need to start with like looking at the local demographics and see like who or like what percentage of each sort of, I I guess each demographic Mm -hmm should be like working with us should be in our workforce and so that's how we look at equality and then from there we find like the good leaders in every demographic and hmm. that's how we progress Gigi, who would you look up to as a female leader i'm interested again i'm throwing this at you guys there's not been any prep but what's your immediate thoughts you or lydia what would you think about as a female leader you think wow that's really inspiring me i think I don't know much about her, but one of the women that I look up to is the Prime Minister of New Zealand. I think... Mm, beautiful. I- again, I don't know much about her like political beliefs or anything that she's sort of involved in, but it's nice to know that we have a strong woman or is a strong woman that is in power in at least like one of the larger countries in the world, which is nice to think about. And then I look up to just sort of like a general demographic there are a lot of women in power in sort of like native groups and it's sort of like always been a tradition that like women and men are equal in like more native traditions and I think that's something that our world can sort of look at that one of the like stances for or against equality is that like well men have always sort of been in power well in more like less traditional sort of like stereotypically traditional like stances in maybe religion or just in community like native people have always or a lot of native groups have like inequality between men and women and like children doing their part so i think there's a lot that we can take from like yeah it's good you know one of the podcasts your dad and i did gg a couple of weeks ago Hopefully you've heard it. If not, we need to make sure you go through it at Christmas time and listen to every 15 episodes. Joking apart, but <laughs> we talked about give back and making sure that we don't miss. Because we think just now, Jerry, we talked about this, didn't we? That people look at just doing their job and we're not spending enough time of giving people like Gigi and Lydia or others a little bit of give back and says, hey, it's important that we we show ourselves as real leaders that we can go and do something, Jerry, right? I mean, that's another weakness. Yeah, I agree. I'm just so impressed by both Lydia and Gigi and their answers and their thoughtfulness about these questions. I mean, this is your world. You're inheriting it from us, unfortunately. But you and your ideas, I think, are going to shape how the world works going forward. I encourage both of you to keep pushing and keep pressing and keep striving. And Jerry, important point for all the listeners, 
Gigi and Lydia only met 10 minutes before this we hit record, right? The guys don't know each other. There's 10 years apart. I think you've done phenomenal. Seriously. Yeah. I'm um, so impressed. Lydia, who do you look up to? Who's your, sorry, I didn't sort oh, of yeah. finish that yeah, one. I'm so excited to hear that. One of the first people that does come into mind, and I'll say her because I feel like she's done a lot for herself, is actually Rihanna because she went through a pretty crap time obviously she was with a guy called Chris Brown who pretty much abused her and you know she's now happy she's with ASAP Rocky she has a baby and she stood up and she did so many things like for instance she does Fenty the makeup and she also has her clothing brand which she has models that are all different shapes and sizes so she has you know your size 4 to a size 20 both female and male and on the website you can change the look of the clothes when you click on it if you want to see it in a different size and I think that's something we haven't had and there's been a lot of shops that have said we are for big sizes but you haven't had an actual person that people of all different ages like Gigi you know Rihanna right yeah of course yeah and like dad you know Rihanna, I do know Rihanna. so it's kind Even of Jerry knows Rihanna <laughs> wait are you talking about Rihanna from Fluid Mac no, that's a song. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I know that's a song. That was a joke. Okay, okay. Gigi, please punch him later. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think she's done quite a lot for not even just my generation, but a whole load of us to say doesn't matter what color skin you are, what religion you believe in, where you're from, size, anything, hair color, eye color. If you have a skin pigmentation, if you have a birthmark that's crazy, it is all beautiful. And she kind of stood for that and kind of put that out there to say like, hey, there doesn't need to be stereotypes anymore. Right. And sort of speaking on Rihanna as well is that her business allows for women and people to become more empowered sort of an industry like one of my mom's friends is really high up in well I don't quite know what she does but she does something for Fenty and other makeup brands like that and she makes like she makes a lot of money and it's so Rihanna and other like big influencers like that have sort of created a culture where one can maybe even like start your own business. And that's how you create equalities that you see all these people in like different positions where they love what they're doing and they can. And I will touch on a woman that I think is very powerful is Kris Jenner. Like she is marketing queen. And the fact that she's created this entire empire for her children, like each one of her children, you know, Kylie Jenner, she was like, one of the first billionaires right and yeah I think it's just amazing that with the power of who you know and what you stand for and how you present yourself is just kind of really taken over and it's not to say I agree with everything that Kardashians do because I do feel like there's a lot of things that are promoted like for instance the flying across the world on a private jet I don't agree with that you know you need to be more considerate of everyone else but I think it's amazing that they've been able to market themselves to be these influential people that if they need to, or even if they want to, they can stand up and really push something and the following that they would have behind that would be absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. What about people yeah, like, oh, sorry, go on, Gigi, go on. One woman that I thought of just like sitting here that, well, a woman I love. And again, it's sort of hard to like talk about people that I don't know like everything about them because I don't know exactly what they stand for. But a woman that's sort of like made her mark on her industry, I think, is Tina Fey. I love 
her comedy and she is like she's an actress she's a producer she's a director and she has like I don't know she's done a lot of projects to where I think she's very well respected Mm. in the acting community and again I don't know much about like her comedy can definitely be a little raunchy, but it's... What was the film, Gigi, she was in that she went to the restaurant? Date at Night. Date Night. Date That's, night. We were just trying to work out where Tina Fey... Yeah. We're going to so watch that tonight? Uh-huh. All right, we'll watch I it after this. Too. Such a cool film, Gigi. <laughs> the long, yes. the long, I am the Longhorns. Right, hey, Gigi, yeah. what, what about... Just a final question from me. What about people like the Queen, Michelle Obama, Kamala Harris, etc.? All these... What do they mean to you guys, if anything at all? Does it help you or does it? (laughs) I think what they do is amazing. The things that they do for the world really do like change people. But I think looking at anyone under a light of like, oh, this woman is like the best woman that I've ever seen. And she's like made no mistakes and she just does all this good for the world. It sort of is like creating this idea that like, women or men depending on like who you are it how do you say it like one is again like better than the other like oh michelle obama she like had this amazing first lady campaign and she just is so devoted to this like one idea and she's just such a great person and I feel like she did a lot for people as in she showed people a different way of looking at things and she spoke up for a lot of mm-hmm. situations that a lot of people are in as well. So I feel like a lot of people related to her and that's what these people do is they explain their situations and get people to actually understand them. So you can be like, actually, you know what? I relate to that. So that's a very quick way to gain people. And like the queen, obviously she's passed now, which was very sad, but she stood as a very powerful woman and you know she was queen of england in the uk you can't really get a better title than that but she did a lot as in her face was on banknotes she went and stood at seminars even at the end of what in the last year she was present to pretty much every event well every big event in the well, UK. hold on i'd like to challenge that one and bring it back you said that's the best title what about partner for global consulting Jerry Lewis. Wasn't that where we started this one? I mean, as a child, obviously, (laughs) when your parent says what you want to be and you want to say a princess or a queen, that's what I mean. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot. Well, I've I've heard a lot about her throughout my life, but I've been hearing a lot recently about like Princess Diana. I know she's also passed, but she was also, I think she did a lot of good for the community. She was a big role model in the UK. Like a lot of people were very sounded by her because she was kind of the first female within the royal family that maybe sat a little bit different where it was like, hey, this is the new generation. She really pushed that. Right. And she, yeah, I know she did a lot for like the children in her community and stuff like that. But I guess what I was going to say, going back to like, Michelle Obama and more like Kamala Harris and political leaders is that I think looking up to political leaders can sort of be a dangerous territory because I don't know, this is sort of just like me going on a ramble, but I think if someone was to like make a mistake, let's say, and people victimize that, then how do you like One thing that I'm worried about with my generation is that we're not going to be able to differentiate like all the good that Mm. a person did between like the mistakes they made. Mm. And And that's why I think it's good to have various different role models. Like for myself, Florence Nightingale, 
in the UK, she cared for a lot of sick people. Obviously, I was in care work. So that's an inspiration from her that I kind of took on Coco Chanel, a female, insane, amazing designer clothes. And she pushed for that. So she had a big empire to do with clothes. Obviously, you got, I don't know, just Emma Watson, for instance. She was in Harry Potter. Mm. What do you think about what Juju was saying here? I think hinting maybe a little bit at the sort of cancel culture. Like, how do you make a mistake as a leader these days and recover from it? Yeah, that's a great Sometimes you can't. For instance, like, I guess everyone who's heard of Kanye West, right? So he basically made one really silly comment and he got dropped. He had his label dropped. And I think that was from Adidas and Balenciaga reasons of why he said what he said I don't know but that just really shows that some people won't back what you're putting out there like Balenciaga recently did a campaign I don't know whether you saw Gigi but it was kids holding toys and the toys had bondage outfits on yeah that was something that was put out there and a lot a lot of people have said that they won't be using Balenciaga Kim Kardashian stylist did a massive speech to say how disgusting it was and like as you know Balenciaga they also well, the company, they own all different fashion houses. So that's going to be something that they will see a drop in sales, definitely, because I think a lot of people will stick by that. I think that sort of like my dad said, sort of cancel culture is very sort of, it's like a precautionary tale. Like, yes, it's important to recognize that people make mistakes. And well, it's important to like, show we're that all human rights so we, we all make mistakes so i think it's just kind of looking at all different people taking aspects from each right. one and then you can create who you believe is going to be the best person so yeah look at everyone's so, full like their flaws their good parts and then you can decide who you want to be right i guess what i'm trying to say is like cancel culture is like very dangerous in the aspect that again it sort of goes back to like being fed information but the people that the media say is bad or good like that's who people are going to believe or like people are good it's like going back to the algorithm you know we're just in one big loop and I think that saying again we need to just kind of stay woke with this kind of stuff and know what we're going for and do our own research exactly yeah we need to do our own research specifically I think on political leaders like one thing in my generation that I've seen a lot is people will stick to one side and then whatever they hear from like their friends will be mainly what they believe. Like our president did this thing. So now he's like horrifying or maybe you've believed he's horrifying like from the beginning. And then you don't hear about like all the good things he does or vice versa. So Mm. it's, what are we talking about? (laughs) Bringing a point up, Gigi, that I think is really important around what you saw in women leaders and people like Michelle Obama and the other political ones, you said that they don't, I think you were trying to get to, and Mm -hmm. I apologize if I'm speaking for you, was that in today's world, you can say all these great things and you could be lionized, put up on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. But if you do one thing that's wrong, there's a real danger there that, you know, your whole legacy is going to be tarnished and you're going to be perceived in a a different way. Well, I guess what I was trying to say is that, so we look at these female leaders as these amazing people that are making change in our world. But we also need to keep in mind that they are people and they're going to make mistakes as well. And we're going to have like bad female leaders just as we have bad male leaders. Mm, And I think that 
we just need to be aware. That's one thing sort of to do with equality is that we need to be aware that we are going to have like an equal amount of like really poor female leaders and really poor wow. male leaders. That's not and, what I thought you were going to say. And I'm really impressed. By it. Yeah, we, <laughs> we just like, I'm scared that I guess I'm scared for a lot of things. I've said I'm scared on a lot of topics, but I think I'm we scared. Call, we that, call it scared because it's just a massive area of uncertainty. But yeah, I think if I, you kind of stick to your morals and what you believe is the right thing, like we can't go far wrong. Like, you know, if we're, if we're taught by people and influenced by people that we think have done well and we take that into consideration as a generation, like I think that's what we should be doing is just trying to be the best version of ourselves and be that person that someone wants to meet down the street. Yeah, yeah and I, you, you are going to have to fail. I mean, that's Jerry, your dad and I will tell you that if you don't have leaders that fail, then you don't have leaders because everything is about trying something, falling over. You try something. You guys know that. Yeah. Riding your bikes. Yeah. It's exactly riding the bike at first time or walking and falling over. It's business. Your dad and I have failed a few times. Do you let As long as you learn from it, you stand up, you're open and honest and transparency, Jerry. That's what we're looking for, I think. For me, it's a leader thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what just sort of like as a finishing point and then literally if you have anything else to say, but I guess I... I'm just sort of worried for what our generation is sort of going to look at as like good and bad. We're fighting for equality, but I think that we are sort of creating too much. Too we're much putting, around it, right? Yeah, we're putting too much pressure on like everybody being good people and we're not really allowing room for mistakes, if that makes sense. Mm. I feel like mistakes are pretty much made whether you're a good person or not. You know, we, right. we when we're, we're human, and as days go on, we learn how. When we don't come with an instruction manual and say, "Hey, this is how you react to things," and as long as you understand where you've gone wrong and how you don't do it again, and how to go around situations differently, it's all about learning. I think just being considerate about other people around you is definitely something. Wow. Yeah. So Q and A, Gigi, over to you. Okay. What do you want to start with? I don't know. What should I ask? Well, I, I thought you had a list of questions. No, you to I ask. don't have a. I thought I like, have a question because, actually. Okay. Jerry, I knew this was going to be bad. <laughs> Lydia's got a question. Gigi, have you been talking to Lydia? Oh, I thought it was like okay, never mind. Yeah. So this one's for Jerry. What do you think we could do as a nation that would improve your performance and everyone else's performance within the oil and gas industry? Oof. Now, are you talking about Britain, like the United Kingdom, or the U.S.? Kind of us as a whole, because I don't want to oh, go global, by, okay. yeah, globally. Oh, globally, so yeah. not a nation, No, but no, globally. globally. Good point, good question. When you say improved performance, do you mean, give me a little more context on what you mean by improved performance, Lydia. Improved performance is in what could be done within the oil and gas industry that doesn't have this look at that oil and gas is bad. Well, there's a lot of talk that's happening right now, Lydia, about sustainability and about moving and transitioning to clean energy. There's not as much action behind that. So I think a little bit more, let's call it authenticity in the approach around sustainability would be very helpful. Actions, not so much words. Also, I think better marketing clearly around what oil and gas is and what it does to younger generations would be very helpful for under for folks understanding what's going to be required 
for us to transition effectively. I think you're, you, both of your points about the fact that it's easy to make a promise now that can be realized in 2050. I think those goals, and I'll give Amazon some credit here, need to be a lot shorter term and a lot more tangible than some nebulous net zero by 2050 target, which no one really knows, A, how we're going to get there, and B, who's going to be in charge 10 years from now, let alone 30 years from now. So I think those are some things like let's break. We always talk about in our consulting business, Lydia, that we're going to take a giant problem and break it down into much smaller problems and tackle them one at a time, right, as a step change. I think maybe we need more of that in oil and gas. Let's figure out what the steps are between now and, say, 2025 to make some progress and then 2025 to 2029 and so on so that we can make it more tangible. And then let's get the younger generation a lot more enrolled in it. Definitely. Like it, Jerry. Okay. Good question. Good answer. I have a question for both you and Your dad's Jason. a smart one. Oh. He'll, he'll answer it. I'll just smile and what? make no, a no, joke. Jason, okay. go first. No, I, well, I, actually, I think you should go first. So. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> what, what is your job? Oh, thank you. Well, Gigi, my title is partner. I work for IBM Consulting in Enterprise okay. Strategy and Interactive Experience or Customer Experience okay. or Transformation. We help our customers, which would be in the oil and gas industry, the companies that you all name, plus some others, find ways to use technology, people and process to improve those to do their, to accomplish their missions more effectively, more efficiently. You guys look like one head here. (laughs) That's funny. And so we essentially are going to help companies do their jobs more effectively and more efficiently by bringing in best practices, by bringing in solutions that have worked in other places before, by bringing in experiences from other industries to help oil and gas. So I have a lot of experience with retail and consumer Uh and customer experience. I bring those perspectives to oil and gas companies to help them improve the experiences that deliver to their customers, like people filling up at the gas station or people buying oil and gas in bulk who are shipping it to a gas station, right? They all want to have the experience they have at Starbucks, right? Right. And then uh, try to help those companies think a bit differently than they're used to thinking because companies have been around for 100 years. They don't tend to change their ways very easily, Mm -hmm. but sometimes changing their ways is important or else they're going to be like Blockbuster, which went out of business, or Kodak, which went out of business, or Sears. I Blockbusters, by the way. Yeah. I started watching a show today, and I am too new to it to give an opinion. But it's it was my Friday bad. night, Margaret and I's date night. You used to end up on a blockbuster aisle three trying to get the latest movie. Can you believe it? Where now you just go on, click a button on Netflix or Apple. I can still remember going into the shops and picking up the tapes, and you'd rent them or buy them. And- yeah, rent. Cra- rent, right? It's crazy. It yeah. yeah. Like I yeah. can literally remember going in with dad and now everything's just accessible on TV yeah. or Netflix, and, Amazon Prime. Yeah. It's crazy. And we don't want our customers to wind up like Blockbuster. So, I mean, I guess it, we could distill it almost down to that. Yeah. How about you, Jace? Yeah. Jeez, what, what do you what do? You do, do? I'm in charge of three restrooms in the IBM office. I clean them <laughs> smartly. You I know, look I after actually people coming in. On the last one I was in, Jason, it wasn't clean. Sorry, I'll get that to that boss. Sorry, I'm a vice president at IBM. What does that really, really mean? The real title would be industry lead for oil and gas for North America. So I came out of Singapore, leading business across seven countries for IBM. That was my old job, let's say, four years ago. Now I look after the sector. So my 
responsibility is set up a strategy for oil and gas. Oil and gas then reports up into New York as part of an industrial group. So someone also looks after auto, so cars. Someone also looks after chemicals, electronics. And so I look after oil and gas. So Jerry and I have a, I have a team of people, which includes Jerry, and I have to set the strategy, look at what we need to do, and then work with the team that says we've got a goal, commercial goal of how much, what do we want to do, how are we going to do it? And then Jerry and I sit down and work out in the team, how do we actually do this work? You know, how do we market it? How do we deliver the work? How do we turn up at a new client and build a relationship? Why are we doing this podcast, Gigi and Lydia, is because what Jerry and I really wanted to do is go out and do marketing and show the people we could actually, we're in Houston and we mean business and we really wanted to show some marketing. We're not talking about IBM, as you can probably tell, we're talking about ideas of neurodiversity, transgender. Your dad and I just interviewed someone two days ago, which will come out, mental awareness. And we think that's really important, which is really marketing to show people that IBM is really something. So yeah, that's. I think that's as much as I would say is my job. It's, it gets com- complicated. It's not easy. If you brought Margaret on, she couldn't tell you what I do, to be honest. that's yeah. <laughs> Jace, I'd add one other thing that you do, which is you sort of protect the team that is working for its clients from some of the, let's call it less ideal focuses that we might have to have to make the IBM machine happy, right? You kind of shield us, allow us to focus on our jobs, empower us to go accomplish what we need to for clients. So it was a big part, Gigi, you said you think that I help people. I mean, Jason, every day is working to help everyone that works on his team be successful. And that's a key part of leadership. Yeah, so I look at a heat map almost, Gigi, once a week we have a call, I heat map myself and work out, does Jerry, does your dad need help this week? And how do I help him? Either getting resources, people, me, myself, this week, Jerry and I, I know you, you guys are up in New York, your dad and I had something going on, I'd said I'd cover it because I know the person, it's easy. So I think if you all treat it like a team, and what we are talking about before, doesn't matter if you're black, white, Chinese, you, you know, UK, American, one eye, joking apart, everyone's got a place in the team and then you all look at it in a different way. Then you get a great view of it. It should then get a a real indication of how you're going to do it and how to use each other. Very interesting. Those were both very complex explanations. (laughs) It's not easy. That's the problem. We don't make something. My father, I used to love working for my father because he was making it in machines. And when he said, what do you do? You picked up something and said, I'm making this. And you thought, oh, okay, can I, well, as right. a consultant, it's really difficult because you're helping people. So you can't really point to someone and say, I work for Ford or I make Yeti cups, et cetera. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Next yeah, question. Um, <laughs> okay. Do you guys have anything for us? Like, do you have anything you want to ask? Oh, me. Did you like your father? That's exactly what your dad would say to me. Okay, Jace, give me it. Come on. What do you, what's your first job going to be? What can you see yourself being as a first job? Okay. I... I'm jumping past university there, you notice. So I'm just, I'm getting down to, you know, where, where would you like to, what type of role would you like to go into? So I'm definitely thinking like veterinary medicine or biology right now. Ooh, you small I'm thing. I'm interested in marine biology. I would love to do sort of something with like, my dream job would be like working with, penguins which sounds really sort With of penguins i yes, watched happy feet last night does that count 
<laughs> it was the first time I'd watched Happy Feet. Seriously, it was on the TV last night. Really? Never watched it. I think I did. I finished watching it about one thirty because I really needed to see the end of what happened. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've ever seen Happy Feet. But I'm a massive Disney Plus freak, so not even just <laughs> Disney Plus, but just any animation or Disney film. I'm like, yeah. They nice. got me there. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely, I love animals. And over the summer of 2020 and a little bit, no, over the summer of 2021 and then through the school year of like 2021, 2020, or 2020, 2021, I did a lot of volunteering with a local vet, sort of like just getting the gist of it. Like, yeah, I got to do like cauterizing and some surgeries and stuff. So it was really awesome. fun. But I don't know. I guess my dream job would be like working in marine biology, like helping animals that are sort of going extinct. Especially penguins? Yes. I think penguins are so cute. I've been watching so many like National (coughs) Geographic videos about like there are depressed penguins that will wander off into the mountains to die. Don't think that. I'm pretty big on David Attenborough then. Yeah. (laughs) I do not know who that is, but I will. Yeah. Okay, so I'm actually going to get Dad to send you a link because I really think that would be something you'd be interested in for sure. Okay. Tell me another thing, Gigi, Lydia. You both know Red M, and you both know your dad and I are heavily engaged with David Reed on Red M, with sort of fighting or raising awareness and fighting sex trafficking and human slavery in Houston. What is that, maybe to you, Lydia, first and then to Gigi, is that something that you're concerned about, you understand? Yes. So obviously being 24 and you can go out at the age of 18 in the UK, you're very much aware pretty early age, you're told, make sure a man doesn't touch you, make sure that you don't get in a stranger's car, say no. And it's very scary to think that there have been victims that have been caught up in, you know, this crazy, whatever you want to call lavish lifestyle of saying like, hey, you can get X, Y, and Z if you do this. And it's more of like a bribing and it's using females to benefit the other person at the other end, which is completely and utterly disgusting in my opinion. I don't see how anyone can put someone through it. Just as a female, it's very degrading to think that people think that we're able to do that. So my hands go up and, you know, I really say to the females that have come out of it, the other end, like, it's amazing you've been able to do that because when you live a certain way for so long to then think of another lifestyle outside of that, you know, that's going to be tough. So you got to dig within and think like, no, I know a better thing. I know my morals. And I recently went to a talk, I think it was in October, maybe. Was it October? David, obviously me and dad went along and hearing the stories from the females that actually went through all of this trauma and they're out the other end and they're stood there speaking to crowds of people like that's terrifying within itself but the most terrifying thing is is that they were in that situation and they're you know this amazing person that can say that they've gone through that so I think it's great that Red M is about definitely yeah I agree personally well Jason you asked me like what I want to do after college and one thing that I've been thinking about is like going into Peace Corps and doing some work with them. And I just, the world is really scary. And my generation right now is sort of at the age where we're exposed to a lot of stuff that I don't think any generation has really been exposed Mm. to before. There's a lot more access to pretty much anything you can think of. So I think 
it's sort of going to be a new problem that comes about is looking at like how we fight the sort of well just how we get around the situation right and like bring awareness to it because I was never taught sex trafficking in school like this is all new to me and you hear about you know maybe people that have been taken and they've been mistreated but to actually know that there's such a high percentage of it especially in Houston down the I-45 where we're living right now like it's a huge problem. It's, It's interesting you say that Lydia because that's what David Jerry and I and a number of people have been looking at is where do we go next? Because if you catch it too late, catch it, you talk to these overcomers, the first thing that they get the girls to do is they get them arrested. Mm-hmm. The reason that the pimps get them arrested is because they get a tag and they can never work again. So right. therefore, it's always yeah. shackled. And one of the things that David, Liz Swigger, who you'll meet on January the 12th and others have been talking about is why don't we, and Sebastian Lenehar also at SLB, Jerry mentioned this, is why don't we then go back to the schools and teach the children? I mean, Jerry, I don't know if you remember where don't take sweets from strangers or, you know, point the finger, et cetera, or, or shout. We may need to do something like that because that then hits the root cause of it. It'd be yeah. interesting yeah. that you just said that, actually. Because I feel like if people are educated about stuff, especially from a young age and spread awareness of it, you're aware of the situations that you could be put in. Otherwise, you yeah, have absolutely. no idea. Like, even through life like I've experienced it you'll be told certain things and you'll promise certain things and it's not you know it doesn't come about and it's not just within that you know sex trafficking it's life in general but I think if you're not taught stuff at home how else are you meant to know about it unless you find out and that's the block that we need to squish and kind of say like hey this is what you could be getting into or this is out there so you're aware of it so you can stop that leap that some people do take because they kind of think oh it's a risk or something that they don't know the facts and figures about yeah yeah how about one other question for each of you what to you Lydia and Gigi does leadership mean good question my goodness Gigi you want to go first (laughs) okay sure right now I am taking a course called well I'm doing this program called Leadership High School and with Lone Star University or Lone Star College. And it's teaching me and teaching others in the Houston area how to become a better leader and like what to stand up for. So to me, leadership is finding a common ground that or a common idea that people can work towards and inspiring them to sort of like work towards a common idea. And then further going on and teaching them how to lead others if that makes sense so like leadership is teaching spot on by the way yeah i'd say you got that there like for me it's the same thing you want to be that person that other people look up to because you're pushing for something that you believe is right and you have a really good knowledge about it and you're educated so that when people look up to you it's for a reason it's not bad like, I don't know if you've heard of, there's a guy that's been going around called Andrew Tate. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of him. <laughs> I, have some, yeah. I have some pretty weird stories from school about him. Yeah. Like when, so like he's, in my, he's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. He's obviously come out with a lot of things to do with like females not being the same as males and a lot of sexist comments. And some of them's pretty disgusting. Like I must admit. And I think it's sad to think that's, have you heard of Andrew Tate? No, I don't know. Jerry, do you know who's this guy? Andrew Tate? So he's so he's, basic. He's a TikToker or he's a 
I don't know exactly what he did before. I believe fighting or something. He's a podcaster, actually. He's he does a podcasts. podcaster, but he did something before he started podcasting, I believe. And yeah, I think, I, I think he did do like boxing or something. Yeah. See, this is how so what's he saying? about his past. I, I, I don't, don't. I'm like not sure either. <laughs> what's but, he saying? Okay, so Sorry. He basically speaks, and I'll send you some links afterwards. But he speaks about women being very much below men and some of the things that he says and a lot of males have jumped on the hype of the Andrew Tate thing and basically my point in saying this is if you have someone that is standing for the wrong thing and people are going to follow you that's a bad motive but if you have someone that's a leader that is for the right thing that's a good leader so you can get a bad and a good mm. yeah yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there's lots of examples oh, of leaders that, that have done terrible, terrible, terrible yeah. things you, in you the can, world. You can put him up on TikTok. He got taken off a few platforms as well. He hasn't stood for the right, correct things. Definitely not for this day and age. No. I have a story to tell, actually. One of the first days in my sophomore Spanish class, I was sitting at my desk and there was this girl and this guy arguing in the back of the classroom about... The guy was saying, Andrew Tate is a god and we should worship him. And uh, uh, uh. he, like, the things he says are, like, the only truth that's ever been spoken. And, oh, my God, it made me want to puke. Yeah. Like, this, this dude. He is really bad, some of the things. And I think, Dad, if I show you, you'll be pretty shocked and... Didn't he? How do I not even know that? Is this recent, guys? This has been maybe the last year, right? He kind of blew up because of his disgusting comments about females and how bad yeah. it was about how yeah. he was yeah, there was this another guy as well. yeah mm -hmm. there was another guy lydia and Gigi, who was maybe it's the same guy but i saw i watched this documentary on him he was tweeting the most horrible things and he had all these followers and he would show up at clubs and parties and all these women would come up to him he was sort of like trying to recruit women who bought into this whole idea that he was professing and then he eventually got called out because he was li living with his mom and he actually had no power and he was just some ignorant, I'm going to say, you know, well, D-bag. But really, he kind of got even, called to the mat. some of the, like, I think it's just a dangerous thing that he's trying to push right now because I think, you know, females are trying to come into this whole, you know, we need to be equal with men. And then we've got someone coming out and trying to influence guys to have the same views as him. Like, I could speak so strongly about it that I just, honestly, if I saw him in real life or if I got the chance to actually speak with him, I really would want to know what's going through his head to be able to make these comments. Because even if you think it, why are you trying to push that? That's something that exactly. you should keep to yourself because it's not correct, you know? But going back to that leadership thing is, like you said, it's someone that is motivating. But to add on to it, I'd say with purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Yeah. For sure. How do we then stop things like this guy? I'm not going to mention his name now because it's annoyed the shit out of me. Sorry, I swore, but there you go. <laughs> $20 to you, Gigi. <laughs> but how do we stop this? Because this is going to be the problem going on. So think about the technology. Your dad and I didn't have it going forward. Now you guys have it. There were people like this. It might not even be a person. I know he is a person, but we might have an automated person that comes up and starts. How do you keep your eye, your head on the game, keep your leadership skills going and not back. That would be the scary thing for me if I was either you, Lydia, or you, Gigi. I think that that's what worries me. You look, you look for a good leader who stands up for things that you believe in and things that you think is correct. And 
I really do think that people with a negative perception of certain things, I agree with the freedom of speech, completely agree with it. But I think to be able to push these comments that are so degrading about women, like you could turn around, he's got no hair. I could turn around and say like, hey, go get a hair transplant. But I'm not that kind of person, you know? So, Are you saying I need a hair transplant, Liddy? <laughs> I'm saying I also need a hair transplant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm trying to say is then if someone wants to speak badly about my, you know, me being a female and the females in general, that, you know, a woman could turn around and start doing that about men. But why would we want to do that when females now want to be seen as someone that's the same power as a guy? Well, one thing that I find like very... I'm going to use this again. Like one thing that I'm very scared for in the future is have you guys like seen the technology? Well, governments use there's media warfare. There's like technology warfare now. And there are cases where like governments are not only manipulating their entirety of like their population like China or Russia, but they can also now start to manipulate the populations of countries that they're trying to target like have you guys seen the new not necessarily new but there's like this technology where you can take it's like ai sort of you can take a like a political leader's face and put it on this other dude and then give this other dude the political leader's voice yeah. and yeah. then make your, a deep fake yeah a deep fake, yeah, deep fake. like yeah, yeah. That's crazy. deep fakes to me like how do you once they become more realistic how do you differentiate the like real certified like political leader between cowardly because I think that you're standing up for something that you know is not right and that's why you're going to these extremes to do that so you should take it how do you how do you fight it right so when you how do you know as a young person now that what you're seeing is real yeah how do you differentiate well education if there's we, like... we need to be really thoroughly educated and this is what's lacking. We're taught how to plus, how to multiply, how to subtract, how to times, you know, areas of circle spaces. We don't get taught how to pay rent. We don't get taught how you get a mortgage. We don't get taught, you know, the rights from wrongs. That's left from our home life. And if we don't have that in place and if AI kind of goes this way about presentating things and you don't know what's wrong and what's right, you just have to educate yourself. You need to know yourself. And that's why it links all back to mental health. You have to be a healthy human to know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, even like education, I'm scared for like, how do we, we've been taught, or at least I've been taught in like my own family, you always have to think for yourself and form your own educated opinions. But with like other countries and political leaders influence on these sort of opinions how do we create like an educated opinion when our information might be completely like mm. false or made up propaganda it's just, yeah. yeah yeah it's so like mind boggling yeah and it goes so quickly, right? In our old days, it would be a newspaper. There'd be 12 hours or eight hours. Now, I could place something on the internet in almost immediate hits, even if it's not claimed to be real for the next 36, 48 hours. Mm-hmm. It can yeah. go absolutely viral. And that's that. You're right, absolutely, Gigi. Yeah. You have a, you have a footprint on the internet. You know, there's, you don't just in real life walk past, you have CCTV, like your footprint is everywhere, whether you leave, you have an Instagram, if someone's caught, I don't know, content of you and that's been exposed or anything, you 
need to just be very self-aware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think, Gigi, if I were to answer your question as a consultant, your dad, whatever, I might say, as we've talked about before, triangulation, right? Multiple sources, being skeptical mm-hmm. of what you see that's in a recorded format, whether audio or visual or video, excuse me, and putting more faith into things that have a longer tenure, like books that have been around for a while, like putting more faith into things that you see in real life as opposed to things that you see online. That's going to be the new reality. I mean, Jace, when you and I were growing up, if it was on the news, it was the truth, right? And we had no reason to think it wasn't. Reporters weren't biased. There weren't Republican and Democratic or liberal and conservative news outlets, so to speak. It was much more down the middle, played on the straight and narrow, and now it's a much No, I, I agree. If it was on the news, it was it was done. There was nothing to say about it. I mean, Liz Swigert and you and I, Jerry, had that podcast that came out. Well, it came out today. One of the points was how do we maintain online self-awareness to make safer choices? I mean, we have to train that. We don't know it. That's, I mean, Lydia, Gigi, that's, we're still learning with you guys. You're talking to two 50-year-olds, 50-ish. I gave them a couple of years. But actually, we're learning it with you. It's not like something we're leaving with you that we've lived with for 50 years. So something of how do we make safer choices? What's real? Jerry and I are, are learning at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jason, I'm so impressed. And I'm so glad that we got our, well, that you had the idea and that we were able to. I'm super impressed, Jerry. Seriously. Seriously. 10 minutes before the, okay, say 15 minutes, we put the two of our daughters together and said, do it. To cover, we did very little prep, talking to people. You'll get it from the, and Gigi, Lydia, I'm sorry, maybe Jerry and I threw it on you, but this is what we'd normally do in an interview. Maybe hopefully it's good for you guys as you go forward as well of being ready. I thought your questions were fantastic, both of them, Jerry. I think we've definitely got two strong female leaders here, dude, I think. 100%. And Girls, I don't know how you felt about it, but I hope that you found this valuable. We certainly appreciate your contributions. And I hope our audience, the folks who are looking at the energy workforce of the future, can hear what you have to say and take something from it that's going to help them make better decisions and better choices about how they accommodate, attract, retain, motivate the workforce of the future. Absolutely. Gigi, did you enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. This is fun. I never really get to have like these long, drawn out conversations on stuff that I really only think in my head about. So that's why I said to dad when dad said, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? I kind of thought, you know what? Yeah, because I feel like you can speak your mind and it's really fun to hear like amazed at the fact that you're 14, by the way, because I think 15, sorry, because I think you've come up with some fantastic points. And even at the age of 15, myself, my views would have been very different to you. So, you know, I think it's been really fun speaking to you because it's great to see a different perspective as well here. Yeah, I guess we can see each other, but everyone else can't. So, I think it's also one <laughs> yeah. for both of you as well. There's an age gap, but actually both of you really batted off it well. So well done both. I mean, Jerry, I'm super proud of both girls. I am as well. I'm proud of you too, Jason, for... You know, as a 31-year-old, really appearing to be as wise as a 54-year-old. You've I mean, now confused Gigi when you said 31. Really she impressive. thought you'd got that one wrong. <laughs> yeah, you, you said he, he, thought he was 35. Oh, is it 35? He's aging I'm backwards. Sorry, 35. That's okay. Uh, Benjamin Button. Yeah. Good news. Yeah. I'll wrap it up there. Thank you, listeners. Again, as we always said, we've been doing the show for three months now. We love doing it, as you can probably tell. And Jerry is co-host, et cetera. So if you want to get involved, want to be the next Gigi or Lydia, 
drop us a note because we're really keen on getting it going. And we will take any feedback, as we've said, Jerry, and adapt our style and improve it if you think it's, you know, you want less of Jerry, more of Jerry, none of Jason. Hey, you know, we will do. Yeah. <laughs> we call him Joe Rogan of IBM now, by the way, Gigi. I don't know if it means anything, but just look up Joe Rogan of IBM as Jerry. So, guys, do? that's it. Thank you very much. Have a good one. And that's a wrap. Thank you young females of the future or no, young leaders you. of the future thank you very much Jeff. thanks for thank you lydia you thank you Gigi. thank you thank you jason see you later have a good one cheers Bye. join us again next week on the energy workforce of tomorrow podcast a production of the oil and gas global network to learn more go to oggn.com <laughs> <laughs>